The following podcast is an Embassy Row production. Hey everyone, welcome to Scissoring Isn't a Thing. I'm Darren Carp. And I'm Liz Cully. And look at you, so fresh, so clean, drinking the Diet Coke, my favorite. <sighs> Darren, what a Sunday. Sometimes huh? you need a little DC just in life. Like sometimes you just need it. And today is one of those days because let me tell you, the moving saga continues. As you can maybe tell from my microphone, I'm in a, a rather empty room, but. Liz, it does sound echoey. I, I, you know, it, I don't look bad. I've managed to make a nice little set for myself. So there you go. Hey, look great. It's, it's been Skin a, looks good. Hair looks good. Everything looks good. Oh, nice. Okay. I don't have any. Uh, Nadine got me into this Egyptian magic. Have you ever seen this oil thing before? No. Okay. It's I like, have not. I'm not, a, I'm not one of those people that has like serums and shit. Like I don't have that stuff. Like that's. Better start, Darren. Better start young. Let me tell you. I guess. I, that's what she always says. So she, this is like kind of like an all purpose, like just for your skin type of oil. And it's kind of got, it's got the consistency of like coconut oil, you know, coconut oil, obviously like a Vaseline, yeah. whatever, but you rub it and it becomes like sort of liquefied and you put it on your face. I'm in girl. I am. I am. Hey, you look so, beautiful. Oh, thanks Liz. How are you? I have like a fucking Sephora in my bathroom. I have every oil and every serum you could possibly. Well, imagine. as you know, if you're going to be in like a strong, like female to female relationship, you need like two sinks, two bathrooms, like bathroom space oh, yeah. is a must. Even though Rachel doesn't feel it's a nightmare. She doesn't seem to me like she would have a lot of products. Like she, I feel like she like oh, has no. her shit. No, no. She's got the products. Oh, she's a sampler. She likes a product. She's always asking me about what products I'm using. And then she uses my shit. So confession, I actually love Goop. And I love, I love her. I love Gwyneth Paltrow. She is an enigma to me. And I spent $50 on body lotion that she makes. And I got to tell you, it's fantastic body lotion. And Rachel keeps fucking using it. And I am, you know, you and I were talking before this about only children and siblings. I'm clearly the youngest of four because I'm just like screaming in the hallway like, don't use my lotion. I can tell you opened it. She's like, Liz, what the fuck? Yeah, she's like, calm like, the fuck don't down. Don't use it. I know, but I don't like her using my stuff. I get it. I hear you on that. That's fine. I what mean- a week though. I, Darren, I have to tell you, meme account, God, I'm such a dyke, which is so, such a good one. That is me. Um, yes gave us a shout out mm. on the Instagrams and said that we were one of their favorite lesbian hosted podcasts. Wow. So big. So huge. What do you think? I think that's amazing. Thank we're getting you. some traction. I like this traction. Thank you so much. I actually, that brought up another thing with me that I feel like I know your answer to this, but I want you to say on it. If someone was like oh, best yeah. lesbian hosted podcast, right? That's not offensive yeah. to you in any sort of way, right? Like you would be no. Like you'd be. Why would I be offended? Because you're not a lesbian. You're a bisexual. Oh no, I don't care. Okay. Lump me in. Okay, well, you know, I mean, <laughs> it's fine. Lump me in, people. <laughs> no, no, no. Well, it, it works. Toss me yeah. to that one too. Yeah. <laughs> no, I thought it was so. It was really, really nice of them. Really nice. Yes. 
we actually chatted in the very beginning of scissoring isn't a thing because remember we wanted to have them on the podcast but they're in florida and in college or something i mean all these meme accounts are like 18 year olds that who know social media way better than we ever could you mean yes correct yeah and they're like stacking bajazillions of branded content dollars and then we'll like then go move to calabasas and live like a mansion anyway and then and then there's me and you yeah and then there's me and you just like just living us. our just living living, the dreams living yeah well i'm excited about your apartment nice. i actually just sent you a little card to your new address <gasps> so yeah Very i love sweet. you're officially in there thank you the card better have cash in it it almost does okay almost is not exactly cash but there's a present in there there's a present but it's not cash. Okay. Well, it better it, it better be able to convert into cash. Like, can I sell it on the black market? Mm, yeah. Okay. You're in New York. Yeah. You can <laughs> sell it on the street. Quite frankly, cool. go up to Upper East Side and sell it next to one of those fake Isaac Mizrahi bags. <laughs> like, <laughs> well, I will. For- which I never understood. I'm like, what? These are like so ugly. Next week, I will have an update on what the not- almost cash prize is for me. But thank you for sending it. Wait, Liz. Oh though before God, we get always- to the queue, and I know we have some good updates. Okay, every fucking lesbian I know has been telling me to watch The Happiest Season. Now, I haven't yet. Oh, yeah, I d- okay, I haven't yet because... You wh- haven't? I thought you had the I thought you had the screener. I did, but the thing is, I was waiting to watch it with Nadine. Then she wasn't home. Oh. We never got around to it. We got into The Undoing. So I was going to watch it this week. Mm, now that it's on fair. Hulu, it doesn't matter. Everyone's seen it. But everyone's coming out of left field. And I kind of hear that it's like... It's one of those movies that like will appreciate, but also it's not a great movie. Okay. Break it down. I have an entire episode on the podcast, Taste of Taylor, questionable title for a podcast, Taylor Strecker. That's what I told her. I- and I'm like, you're the biggest <laughs> prude ever and you name your podcast Taste of Taylor? What are you doing? It's, a, I, are you doing? it's so questionable. It's, it's, so, it's blatantly questionable. Taylor Strecker, uh, Darren and I are both co-hosts on the Taylor Strecker show. Darren is an OG co-host on the Taylor Strecker show. I'm, I was the newbie, but Taylor keeps hiring new people. So I'm old news. I'm on her podcast and we discuss the show or the movie the whole time. Now, of course, Taylor Strecker was like, I cried the whole time. It was the best thing I've ever seen. Now the queer community had, uh, took a lot of issues and had a lot of notes with it. I'm not going to spoil it for you. Mm -hmm. And I'm not going to spoil it for the listeners, even though everybody, hopefully that's listening to this has already seen it. Here, here are my three things for you. Okay. One, Kristen Stewart is like palatable in it, which is shocking. Wait, what do you mean makes, she's palatable? Like, I like can't. With, I find her to be like <laughs> that super annoying. I know. Like, it's like brand it, new it, lesbian it, it, who's like who thinks that she's like the pinnacle of all lesbians and like knows everything. Right. She's peak les. But at the same time, Ugh. I was like, I think the thing that bothered me about her when she was like, I just don't want to be famous. And I was like, then why become an actress? Why? Why? Oh, God. Have you listened to the interviews where she talks about how her, because her parents, she's from the Valley and her parents worked, I think, in production. So she's like, I mean, my whole life, I've just been like in the industry. I just can't. For me, I'm sorry. I'm a little bit older. I never watched the movie. What was it that she was in? The big one. It's Twilight. Twilight. Never saw it. Me neither. Never Never saw saw it. it. Never Never read it. it. Nope. Don't know anything about it. Nope. So... I just find I'm like when she went on Saturday Night Live and she's like, yeah, I guess Donald Trump hates me because I'm 
gay as fuck. It's just too much. I know. Because you're not the gayest person ever and stop pretending to be A plus gay. I hate when these people just try and be like overdoing it with the gay. Too much. It's too much. It's too much. So she's mildly palatable and you actually sort of like her in this movie, which is unbelievable. Second. Do you find her hot? No, I don't. No, I find her attractive. I mean, she's a beautiful girl, but I'm not like, I don't have sex vibes on her. Okay, got it. Okay. Second thing about the movie that's not a spoiler is that Aubrey Plaza says about mm, 30 words and she's one of the best characters in the film. And then third is that what it, I'm trying to say something that doesn't like totally crush it. Dan Levy's fantastic. Well, obviously. I mean, obviously. But other than that, there it's quite problematic. While it's great that there is a queer holiday movie and we can all agree on that, there's a lot of like the thing weird like, kind of shit. It's about going to the family for the holidays, but the girl isn't out to her family. And like K-Stu's yeah. like reconciliation with that, right? Because it's yeah. her girlfriend who's it's not out like, or is it K-Stu that's not out? No, case two is out. It, here's the thing about it. And, I, you know, it's interesting. We talked about this last week with Ashley Gavin about, like, criticism and fact-checking within the queer community. And yeah, sometimes it's yeah. tough because to be this perfect gay, there's a lot of pressure, right, to, like, know everything is tough. Totally. So, you know, Taylor was actually great because I kind of came out the gate swinging like this movie was fucking a dumpster fire. <laughs> like, no wonder it came out in 2020. <gasps> and Taylor was like, but wait a minute. Like, you know... No, she really was like, but here are the positives. I'm like, I hear you. So what I'll say is it's not a perfect movie. Sure. I don't think that we should put the pressure on everything that's queer, that it needs to be perfect. That said, there are a few kind of really intense, pivotal moments and it, within the film that I think were not developed totally great. You know what I mean? Like, I think I think that there was some stuff that really had the opportunity to be a teachable moment and they just left it on the table. Well, and I think you make a good point as someone who hasn't seen it yet. So this is my prejudgment of it. Like, I'm going to see it because it has a queer storyline with a, yeah. a girl I find attractive, interesting, you know, something that I think most people can relate to, you know, family, maybe not being out. So, like, I'm seeing it for that value. Like, I'm not going to see it necessarily for its cinematic quality. And I think that's sort of the point. Like, when we were talking about, like, being too gay, it's like, yeah, if I was, if I really wanted to, like, intellectualize the movie, I'm sure we could find a fuck ton that's wrong with it or this and that or it's missteps as a film. Yeah, there's pretty obviously a lot wrong with it. But yeah, yeah no, yeah. no, for or, sure. Or maybe it's too obvious. But the point is, is that, like, you or I was not going to go into this movie being, like, this is going to be Oscar award winning movie of this. No, like, you no, know, no, no one was thinking this was Sophie's choice here or like, you know, it just, it wasn't going to be that <laughs> we're appreciating it for another, another thing. Yeah. But I see you wrote in our notes that you, did you watch the 12 dates of Christmas? Like I told you to do. Cause I remember <gasps> I talked Sorry, about it. That's in our notes. See, look, Darren and I are getting our shit together with our new format. Actually, I love the new format because I'm ADD and this is fantastic yeah. for me. So I watched it last night because we talked about it. Yes. And you brought it up in the queue. Because I interviewed Garrett. Oh, my God. The gay First guy. Of all, I'm only. Yeah, no, no. Yeah. I know. I'm only two episodes in. Have you watched it at all? Yeah, I had to watch it for my show. I mean, it's very cinematically holiday. It con- is. Considering it happened in March. And I'm, I don't want to. Oh, it did. Oh, how is there yeah. so much snow? Where were they? They were in. I forget where they like were. Canada? They were in somewhere very north. Yeah. No, no, no. Like, like it might the have North been, Pole? It might have even been Europe. I can't remember. It's beautiful wherever they are. 
Well, I think you guys should watch it. It's on HBO Max. We have nothing else to do. And the Great British Baking Show was so fucking terrible this year that at least you've now got that. Why was it so, terrible? It just wasn't good. Not it was just. And okay. I am a diehard. I was Prue for and Rachel was Paul Hollywood for Halloween last year. We are psycho fans, but it just wasn't very good. Now. You were right. This show is super interesting and I don't want to spoil it, but I love that there's multiple contestants that are kind of on the journey together. And there's like a little, it's a, it's a rolling kind of cast of characters. There's three main ones, but, but it's a rolling cadre of, it's a little bit of the bachelorette meets like bachelor in paradise or something. Yeah. Kind of. Yeah. Like more of a bachelor in paradise than anything else I would say. Yeah. That's a really good point. Yeah, it was Bachelor in Winter Wonderland is really what it is. Yeah, we watched it last night, but I do love having a gay bachelor, so to speak. It's it's a fun it's a fun little twist. Yeah. Um, but anyway, so that that was it for me. All right, well, let's get to the cue, Liz. Hey guys, we want to welcome you to the queue where we share some highlights and happenings within the LGBTQ plus and ally community. And don't be shy, listeners. We want to hear from you too. If you've got the scoop or have someone you want us to shout out, feel free to shoot us a DM at SIAT podcast on Instagram or Twitter. Well, Liz, you and I have been talking and gabbing quite frequently this week. And for the first time ever, <laughs> I think our queue news was the same. <laughs> It was. It was just like the same news. <laughs> we would just text each other and be like, yep, yep, yep. <laughs> <laughs> you know, and, and what's great about this is that while you and I, you know, banked so many episodes in the beginning of the quarantine, now we're kind of doing these more fresh, at least intros, which is really fun because yeah. we get to at least see each other. But this is one of those weeks where like, I almost kept thinking to myself, couldn't y'all have just waited a couple of days? Yeah. And then our show could have been super fresh. But big news on the scene was Elliot Page came out publicly as transgender. Yep. We support you. We are. Did you see it coming? I did not, Darren. I did not. I didn't either. And and I'm not saying that that says anything. Like, I'm not saying like, oh, we should have known. I'm just, I was curious because I was surprised only because I had never heard Elliot speak on it as much. I mean, Elliot had always been, well, not always, but for the last four years, I want to say three, four years, huge ally, huge advocate of LGBT content. Yeah, the Vice show. Uh, Yeah, exactly. The Vice show was huge. Uh, just in general on Twitter, her public persona being out and open, you know, once he became like out and open, Mm -hmm. then the news like broke. I think I read about it on page six, maybe, or people. And I was like, oh, and you know what the funny thing is with Elliot, it didn't end up being like as big. It was sort of a good sign, right? Because it didn't seem to be like that controversial. It was just like, cool. Like everyone seemed to be like, awesome. We're in, we're in on it. We're, we're down. I know Elliot's wife or girlfriend. I don't remember. Wife. wife. Yeah, they're they're married. Obviously came out, supportive statement, everything like that. So it, it ended up being a really interesting, unexpected, cool surprise, actually. Yeah, and Elliot's wife also released a statement, I think, later, because fucking the internet and the trolls, were they were asking... Like, what does your wife think? Elliot's or wife, whatever. like, right. are you a lesbian still? What does this mean? And she kind of, she still identifies as she, meaning Elliot's wife, said, just, like, enough with the labels. I don't give... It's like, stop. Like, don't try to put me in a box. 
don't worry about it. I'm cool. My marriage is good. I'm supporting my, you know, my partner, my husband, like fuck off. Well, that's- and I think that was great and interesting. And I think this, uh, another reminder where it's like, just because somebody, it's like almost what we talked about in the beginning of the podcast. It's like a gotcha moment. Yeah. Like who cares? They're like, trying to catch you, you know, being like, see, you were never gay or see, you were never straight or see, you were never like this. It's like, I know I mean, it's so dumb. You know, my argument and it sort of actually ties into the next story about, about Bronwyn. Yeah. It's like labels do help in general speaking terms about things, right? Like, like calling myself a lesbian is an accurate moniker that I choose to use that if someone used it about me would say some characteristic about me, something about me. Sure. But if all of a sudden Nadine, my girlfriend was like decided or, you know, had this struggle, wanted to transition that wouldn't necessarily, in my mind, I could still be in love with him now. If, if that was the, tra- the transition, I could be in love with him and still consider myself a lesbian because that's in my mind. Like, I think when you're already in love with someone, especially like those labels mean a lot less because really eventually yeah. it becomes about the person. You know, if I was going on a dating app, yeah, I might put straight by lesbian just as something to like start off the conversation. But once you're already in love with someone, you know, like you end up not being a lesbian, you end up being Nadine's wife or, or, or her mine, or, you know, like I'm into Nadine, you know what I mean? Like, right, right, right. It matters no, I, less. I'm with you. I, I think it does matter less. So I think the best thing about the news is kind of what you said was that it was like news, but not really news. Right. It like, wasn't everyone was like, great. across like, you know, uh, seven People o'clock or news whatever. or whatever. Yeah. yeah. Like, not that it necessarily would be, but I just think it just goes to show that like, well, I'm hope I'm hoping, you know, who knows what Elliot was going through the struggle in the meantime. And then like, who knows what the troll said? I don't follow that because it would just be too negative for me. So I'm not trying to denigrate any like potential struggle that there was. But from my standpoint, I didn't hear anything negative. And that seems to be progress in and of itself. That seems to be a a, a telling statement. And then obviously in the next story that we kind of wanted to tie into was Bronwyn. And the reason that I want who came out as a lesbian this week. And the reason that I wanted to tie that into is because, you know, the first question was, well, what about your marriage to Sean and your seven kids? Well, and and for those that don't follow Bravo, Bronwyn is a housewife, Orange County housewife. Second season of Orange County Real Housewife. Seven children in 20 years with her husband. She's only 43 years old. So she, you know. She's super hot also. Yes, BT she, dubs. she's super hot. And also like very nice. She and I are new internet friends. I know Darren, you've known her obviously for quite some time. Mm-hmm. I'm new internet friends with her. She couldn't be lovelier. I know you and I so excited and happy for her, you know, but it is interesting. Even this morning she posted like a new photo of herself on, in- on Instagram and was like, Hey, all of the comments that you have about me coming out as a lesbian that you p- decided to post on my family photo. How about you stop that? And you can post them all here. <laughs> it was just like a headshot of her or something, which I thought was interesting, but yeah, I mean, that's nice. A little clap back. Yeah. And I, and she came out in an interview on Glad, even though Bronwyn, if you're listening, we invite you wholeheartedly to come on. Scissoring isn't a thing. And please chat do. about it here. Please do. And all these ding-dongs are like, are you going to get divorced? What are you going to do? And she spoke about it a little bit in her interview. And she's like, hey, I have no plans on 
divorcing, you know, her husband is her family and her person. And, you know, they're right. just li- they're kind of There's- rewriting what their marriage looks like to them, which, by the way, is their fucking business. When we've talked like- about before that, like everyone's relation, not only is other people's relationship, none of your business, but like people define monogamy in a lot of different ways. You know, I know plenty totally. of people who kissing someone else isn't cheating. A lot of my gay guy friends happen to be that way, right? Like, Oh like, my God, I had a dream last night, Darren, that Rachel was a lot. We were at like some beach house. I told Rachel this this morning yeah. and Rachel kissed this other woman and then I kissed this other guy, but he had really skinny lips and he had um, stubble <laughs> and it was a terrible kiss. And I was really jealous that she got to kiss some hot girl. And here I was maybe because I'm bisexual and I had to kiss this other guy mm. who was somebody's husband, but I couldn't, I don't remember what his face looked like, but I just remember kissing him in the lips <laughs> and it was horrible. So, and I woke up and I was mad at her. You know, when you like wake up and you're mad at someone right, for something they did in their dream. Like, I didn't I don't do know. anything, you know. I was like, you got to kiss some hot girl. And I'm out here kissing some guy with fucking fish lips and chin stubble. Well, that's on you, Liz. That's your fault. I mean. I know. What the fuck does that mean about my subconscious? I think you need to reassess yeah, your no. entire evaluation. But yeah, I mean, listen, relationships are entirely different. And everyone has their own definition of this stuff. And like, there is a world I mean, especially today with how many different things you can identify as the more so that more so than there were even 10 years ago. It's like she can be a lesbian, still have a relationship that is intimate and, you know, a, a real partnership with someone who doesn't identify as a female, you know, who, who, as far as I know, Sean seems to be a cis male as far as I, yeah, I, I think sure. I know. And still have a relationship with him and co-parent and have it be everything that both of them want it to be. You know what I mean? I got to be honest with you. It sounds like to me, dream scenario. Yeah. Dream scenario. Have your best friend, your dude. You have seven beautiful children. Be a great You get to live in a fat ass house. Yeah. Fat ass house in Orange County. And then on the side, have this hot very gay right. looking lesbian girlfriend with the neck tats and the fucking cool haircut. And yeah, Bronwyn went full gay, full gay on that one. Full lesbian. I mean, I was dying. You guys have to understand as this story was coming out. And again, I like stand for Bronwyn. I think she's super nice. She's so beautiful. I like kind of died inside when she's D de- when we DM'd a little bit, she just seems so sweet. I'm like texting you, Darren. I'm like, oh my God, I'm like in love with her. Maybe I'm her new best friend. Like maybe I'm going to be like a friend on the Orange Get the Housewives show, right? Orange County. County. Yep, there we go. Sorry, yeah. Orange County. I'm so excited. I can't even say it out loud. Like maybe I'm going to have like a friend role next season. Like who knows? Like this is it. You're like, you literally said hi to her. Like, and like you like double tapped like <laughs> the photo of her. Like, what are you talking about, Liz? And then Bronwyn posts the photo of her girlfriend and I literally- Died. I'm like texting you, losing it. You were like, you were like sending me like Morse code, like, but it was just like the dot, dot, dots. And I was like, I know what you're talking about. Wait till the podcast. You were like, hello, hello, hello. And I was like, I know Liz. I know we're all very excited here. Because in the interview, she described her girlfriend. And I was like, ooh, can't wait to see this. And I was imagining, okay. I was imagining kind of like an older lesbian a little like butch but like soft butch i was imagining you know perhaps a woman that was a corporate lawyer Mm. like lived in newport had a duffy boat never had children why did you why did you go into these specifics like for me it's like i i I, like i get profession and i get looks (laughs) 
But like a Duffy boat, like you really went oh, the court. Have you ever been on a Duffy boat in Newport? It's fantastic. Okay, but like, Highly why, recommend like, it. What, does this have anything to do with being gay? Like you, you're. Why did you picture? No, a I just with a Duffy I boat? painted the picture okay. of my, in my mind. Okay, you painted your fantasy, is what you're telling me. Yeah, 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 yeah exactly. Yeah. Okay. And like maybe lived in Laguna, like didn't even live in Newport, little edgy or more of an artist community, mm. like lived in Laguna. Mm. That's what I'm imagining. And then Bronwyn posts the picture, and I'm like. Oh shit! You went for like full on hot like East Side lesbian with the neck tats. I'm an East Side and, like, lesbian girl. I don't have neck tats. I'm not no, a West Side you're lesbian. You're a West. Ho- you're no. a West Hollywood lesbian. Yes, you are. If I lived in LA, I'd live in like Silver Lake. I know that, but like, oh, hand is up, you, people. The hand is up you, in my face right now. You can't see it. No, but it Taryn, is up Taryn, in my face. It's you. This is a compliment I'm giving you. You are like so like studio executive, like lesbian, like Paul Smith suit Mm. with like Jonathan Adler apartment driving over the hill. Fine. Sure. You live in Silver Lake, (laughs) but like barely just for the views. And you like drive over the hill in your white Porsche and like walk into the NBC lot. Like, trust me, Darren, I not only know who you are. Wait, wait, wait. Do I have a Duffy boat? <laughs> <laughs> no, I have the Duffy boat. Anyway, <laughs> I, I'm going on a tangent. All I can say is you can tell by my enthusiasm. I could not <sighs> be happier for Bronwyn. Yeah, and you know too. what I'm most happy about? I'm happy for fucking Bravo. You know why I'm happy for fucking Bravo? I'm happy that we have a lesbian housewife. Thank it God. is about time, motherfuckers. No. I love it. And in Orange County, which is so conservative. It's so conservative. I love it. And like. Love it. And Bronwyn was always sort of that, uh, like, why when I say oddball, like she was always very representative of the queer community. Her son, Jacob, who I, who I spoke about earlier, who likes to dress up in drag mm-hmm. and is very open about makeup and the whole family was part of it. I mean, she's always been very progressive in that. And so like, I do think Broadway is paving the way a little bit in Orange County. My girlfriend's from I there. So maybe I'll, uh, I'll have to like get a temperature check and see what's going on over there. I love it. Well, to quickly introduce our next guest i mean even though you and i are like oh well this will be like a really quick intro it's like 50 minutes later yeah our next guest is pretty incredible pretty incredible emmy award-winning tv personality style expert you know him from the original queer eye for the straight guy you know him as a panelist on rupaul's drag race Carson Cressley, I know you've interviewed him and known him for a really long time, and I don't want to spoil it, but I love how the interview started because you guys had like a whole moment about when you first met, which was so cute. Yeah, so uh, listeners, enjoy it. Carson is a gemstone. We get into horses as well. Don't you worry. Liz has a bombshell of a question. That's one of my favorites she's ever asked. (laughs) So, oh God. Yeah, I I was. Let's go right into the interview, Liz. You just need, all right? (laughs) Enjoy, guys. Okay, bye. Oh my God, Liz, today is a day, right? I mean, today is the day of all days because we're talking to one of my favorite people, if not my favorite person yeah. ever, right, Liz? Yeah, no, I mean, I'm shaking. In my, my wife is hiding in the back because she's so excited and is a very private person, but I think she might bum rush the Zoom at any moment. So- Oh, for sure. I think it could happen. Prepare for it. Okay, so our next guest, you probably know him. He's a he's a casual fellow. He's an Emmy award-winning TV personality, style expert, fashion designer, interior designer, and New York Times bestselling author. And that's just to like name like a few things. 
we have the incredible Carson Cressley on the line. How you doing, Carson? Oh my gosh, that introduction. First of all, your favorite person, my goodness. I'll take it. Thank you so much. You guys are both lovely and delightful. And I'm thrilled to be here. And thank you for that glowing intro. My goodness. I'm actually surprised it was sh that short because initially- well, I have a whole bio, but then I was like, I don't even, like, this would take 30 minutes to read. I, I mean- yeah, No, no, we don't I mean, want my that. God, like obviously Queer Eye for the Straight Guy, but then not only that, you know, you won a primetime Emmy, you gained- a worldwide following. He's a key judge on RuPaul Drag Race. I mean, it's like, I can't because Don't now it Miss makes Universe, me excuse me, Miss Universe. Oh, oh yeah, that too. Yeah, I do love the, I do love the ladies. <laughs> but not in the way that I love the ladies, right, Carson? Probably not, but, but still very much, still very much. Yes. Well, we actually typically ask all of our guests right at the top, of our interview, how you identify, if you don't mind letting us and the listeners know. Right. I identify as a uh, Brazilian supermodel, and <laughs> um, but it hasn't worked out well for me. No, I, um, I think I, I'm pretty sure I'm a, a gay man, and that's how I identify. Yeah. I think Brazilian model <laughs> actually clocks. And, and yeah, my in, in my head. In my head. <laughs> that's so good. Well, you know, usually... I got to say, Carson, we get a lot of our good guests because Liz just cold emails everyone. But this one, you were kind enough because I don't, I'm not even sure you remember how we first met. But as you know, I'm Andy Cohen's assistant. And the first right. time I ever got on Watch What Happens Live as the bartender, you were the guest with Abby Lee Miller from Dance Moms. Oh my gosh, so my yes. First Watch What Happens Live appearance was actually with Carson. And I was like freaking out and so scared. And I was like 23. And I wore this bright pink, like J. Crew sweater. Of course, and Carson was just like, "Oh my god, I love Darren and Fuchsia." And for Carson to say that about me, I've held on to it for about ten years, and now I feel like I'm a fashion icon. Oh, you totally are. I love. Um, I remember that it was like super, super. Like J. Crew does like the best fuchsia. It's like a petunia color, and it's kind of hot pink, but it's it has more purple in it, and it's just it's perfection. It is perfection. I mean, Liz, are you flabbergasted I mean, at this I connection? Am. Well, and also my favorite piece of clothing, which Darren will tell you is the truth, is she has this fantastic Paul Smith pink suit. And I always tell her when we do shoots, I'm like, bring the pink suit. Do I not? Always. Always. I sure Absolutely. do. It sounds, it sounds like a showstopper. Carson, you're a showstopper. And that's why we have you here today, because we want to... We know about your present life and we're going to get to that, but we want to take it a little back to baby Carson, uh, if you wouldn't mind giving us a little background on, on it, because we do like to ask people their coming out story. Sometimes it's mm. monumental in their life and sometimes it isn't. So if you could just walk through that with us, because you came out probably in a time where it wasn't as socially acceptable as it is now. Right. Yes. I'm going to tell you, I have, a, I, have a, I have a several coming out stories, but the first right. one was, you know, the typical where you sit your mom and dad down and uh, they're like, what's going on? And it seems very formal. And you're like, I have to make an announcement. And um, it was in the living room of our house in Allentown, Pennsylvania on blue tufted velvet furniture. We were not Greek, yes. but for some reason we had very Greek looking furniture. And I sat them both down and it was quite quiet. And they're like, what's going on? I was like, mom, dad, I'm gay. 
And then my mom got flustered and she was just like, well, let's see how second grade goes. You know, things could change. <laughs> and um, Wait, were you really in second grade? Like, were no, you? No, no, that, 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 that's my, that was my, my joke story. My joke coming out. I couldn't oh, okay. resist because it's, it's, I like painting that picture, but no, my real coming out story is very, very different, but equally comedic, I think. And like so many people, like I grew up this obviously gay kid, you know, in Allentown, Pennsylvania, like showing horses and riding ponies and like, could it get any gayer? And loving did you braid? Did you braid their long, beautiful mane? That's like my dream. And their tails. Yeah, yeah. absolutely. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. I loved Black yes. Beauty as a kid. Let me tell oh, you. God. I would watch Black Beauty after school, like for like the first half hour. And then I would go out to the barn and I would saddle my own not black horse up and ride about. And it was just, I was very, very gay. Anyway, I think a lot of people, and yes, I came of age probably in the very early, late eighties, early nineties. And it was a scary time because, yeah. you know, the AIDS epidemic was full swing. There was not really any treatment for that. That was an additional layer of like, Ooh, this is really scary. And, uh, but you kind of come out, um, I think incrementally. So I, you know, graduated from college, I think on like May 6th, 1991. And on May 7th, I was like, I'm moving to New York City, guys. <laughs> and I did. And, uh, and I had a job. Because you knew, up. did you, sorry to interrupt, did you know that New York City was like where you wanted to be for fashion or did you feel a no. gay relationship with it? I just felt that it was a place that was so foreign to like my little hometown in Pennsylvania that I could go and reinvent myself and be whoever I wanted to be. So uh, I got there. And so you kind of incrementally come out to your friends. Like you start making new friends that didn't know you and don't know where you're from. And you're like much more comfortable being out and being your authentic self, ironically, to total strangers. So I built a, a strong network of friends and chosen family in New York. I probably came out to them and coworkers right away, like when I was, you know, like 21, when I moved to the city. Uh, but I did not come out to my parents even though I'm sure they were just like, please, really? <laughs> Until I was 30, I think 31. Whoa. And I was living in New York and obviously like not bringing any girls home. And uh, I was working for Ralph Lauren, but I had tried out for this new TV show called Queer Eye for the Straight Guy. And uh, I guess it was getting picked up and we were gonna air and we made a whole season and I still didn't come out to my parents. And wait, this was in what, 2003. Wait, wait. You were going to be <laughs> on a show that had queer in the fucking yes. title and you didn't come out yes. to your parents. Is that what Liz and I are interpreting? Yeah, I'm just, yeah, I'm, I, a we terrible, I'm a terrible procrastinator. So I thought they knew, but I didn't want to do the uncomfortable, icky, like, you know, sit them down. So I waited and waited and waited and the show was going to come out. I think like, uh, we were going to be on the cover of TV Guide and it was coming out like on a Tuesday. So I was just, I told my friends, I was like, I guess I have to go to Allentown and have the official. So I took the bus home as one does. And uh, I was riding in the car with my mom. She had a minivan at the time. It was pouring down rain. I'm just like, you know what? I'm just going to tell her now and do one at a time. And uh, it's pouring so much and it's so dangerous right now. She can't really freak out or we'll both die. So I told her, she was like, okay. And uh, it was totally fine. And there was all of that angst kind of for nothing. And then I was just like, oh my God, now we have to tell my dad, who was like very like, you know, old school, very like, you know, old fashioned guy. And he was fine too. So, and then after all of that and the big sigh of relief, I was like, oh, and by the way, 
I'm going to be on a TV show. It's called Queer Eye for the Straight Guy. It's going to be on the cover of TV Guide on Tuesday. Get ready. You're like, and everyone in Allentown is going to know because TV Guide is in every CVS, like every single store. Wow. That's what my first girlfriend was from McCungie, Pennsylvania, which is no first girlfriend ever. And I went to Lafayette in Easton, Pennsylvania. So I spent a right. lot of time in Allentown. And I think I remember her talking about Queer Eye being right. on the cover as, as this monumental moment of like someone from a small town can be gay and live this right. life. And I think it actually helped her in a weird turn of events come out, you know, years later. And so thank you. <laughs> You're welcome. I always love hearing stories like that. And, you know, people always say like, what's the best thing about, you know, being on TV or doing Queer Eye or whatever it was. And I say, yeah, there's been a lot of great things. Like I got to work with Dolly Parton and I've been to the White House and like, those are all great. But I still get like little tiny notes written on like, airplane napkins from flight attendants who are like, my name is Daniel. I didn't want to bother you, but um, I just want to let you know, growing up, I watched you with my mom and we laughed so much and it made it okay for me to come out to her. And I just wanted to say thank you. And those moments, like I always like get goosebumps in my, I'm just, you know, that's a great, I feel like I don't have to do anything anymore. I was like, I did my good deeds and now I can just, you know, uh, watch Netflix the rest of my life. Did you ever watch the show with your parents after, I mean, it was, it, Queer Up for the Straight Guy was so huge. I mean, it changed all of our lives. I think it also, quite frankly, changed television and also, you know, reality TV in, in so many ways. Did you sit down in Allentown and ever watch an episode with your parents? Yeah. And I was, you know, it was as much as that show helped other people, it also helped me like somehow when you just do reality TV and you're like totally authentic and you're just kind of, the cameras are catching you do your work. It just takes all the pretense away and there's just, it's just you and you're sharing yourself with the world. And um, that was really nice to do with my family because I had that, you know, kind of that veneer of like, oh, I don't want to give them too much information because I don't want it to be outed. So after that mantle was lifted, it was much easier to have a more authentic relationship with them. And even as recently as like the last couple of years, my dad sadly has passed away, but my mom and I and my dad would watch Drag Race together. I was just going to ask about Drag Race. And, you know, they were like the hippest 80 year olds, you know, in Allentown watching Drag Race. And my mom is the, I was like, we need to do one of those like Fox TV specials where they tape people watching other TV shows yes. because she'd be like, now that is the most gorgeous gown I've ever seen. What did you think? What did it look like in person? Like she would love the fashion. And my dad honestly was there for the titties and he'd be like, those aren't real. And there'd be like, you know, breastplates. I'm like, dad, when they have like a giant choker right here, it means they have a breastplate on and the boobs aren't real. So it was very funny. We're all here funny. for the titties though. We're all here for the titties, Carson. Oh, Any I, I always am. Any red-blooded American is here for the titties. But I have, it's interesting because when you're talking about like it being so open and free with your parents, like what an incredible experience. Obviously mm -hmm. people who are openly gay or openly not straight don't always have that luck of the draw. Was there, do you attribute you being scared, if scared is the right word, to coming out to your right. parents of just like a sign of the times? Or did you really truly think that your parents weren't going to accept you? I think in my heart of hearts, I knew that they would, but I think in my era, 
And like I said earlier, you know, I came out, you know, and came of age like around 1985, 86, 87, when AIDS and HIV was, you right. know, ravaging so many people in our community that that extra layer of fear and like, oh my gosh, I'm going to be stigmatized or not accepted for that. And then also just, you know, the era, I think it wasn't as accepted to be gay and it wasn't. I think visibility is so important and having queer people on television and on magazine covers and it makes them real and people say, oh, well, they're just, you know, they're everywhere and they're just kind of like us and they're not that different. We didn't really have that back then. Like I remember watching, I thought the most important thing, and I do a lot of these interviews where people will say, what's the most important like gay story on television? And I remember Pedro Zamora being on The Real World. God, yes. And, oh, yeah. and yes. coming out and, and talking about living with HIV and like, passing away. And I just thought that was like the most brave and monumental thing for queer people on television at that time, for sure. Especially young people. I mean, I'm born and raised in San Francisco and I'm in my mid thirties. And so the real world was such a huge show for me. And I remember when they picked the house and some of us kids, we would ride our bike to the top of Lombard street because they were on like the curly Lombard right. Street. We tried to see which house was the real world house and the whole nine yards. And, you know, I my uncle passed away of AIDS in the early 90s. And mm-hmm. most of his friends who were the most fabulous and beautiful looking human beings that have, I've ever remember, a lot of them, unfortunately, did end up passing away. So as a kid, it was around me a lot. But having MTV, which was like the epicenter of everything young and cool and fresh, talk about HIV, I think educated such a young, not only obviously, I think the contemporaries in their 20s and 30s, but all of us kids were like, oh, wow, like this is, you know, you can be on TV with HIV or, you know, AIDS and still make such a difference. It, It was people, I don't even know if people still talk about it enough. I love that you bring that up because it was, it really was such a big deal. And yeah, still no, is. I, I just remember that being hugely influential to me. Being on Queer Eye, there was a time, maybe not in 2020, but there was a time where queer was certainly a slur. If you were right. called queer in the 60s, 70s, certainly any time before that, yeah. it had a negative connotation. And I feel like our community has sort of maybe taken it back. But when you were on Queer Eye for the Straight Guy, I mean, it's right in the fucking title here. And that's the only time we've ever seen it on, you know, cable television, something like queer. Did you feel offended by that term? Or did you feel like, no, this is our chance to say, like, we're here, we're queer, we're proud. What did you think about that? This is really interesting because the guy, one of the guys that created the show is a guy named David Collins, who's obviously producing a lot of shows and, and is producing the new iteration on Netflix he and his co-creator, Dave Metzer, were very firm about like, no, it has to be called Queer Eye for the Straight Guy because it is about having a queer sensibility, having, um, looking at things from a different point of view. And queer can mean, you know, seeing things differently. And um, I think many networks, you know, passed on the show because of probably the title. I think even Bravo maybe at some point was just like, "Mm, I'm not sure, are we gonna go with this? And the creators of the show were adamant. They're like, no, it absolutely has to be called Queer Eye for the Straight Guy. Plus it rhymes. So I just was really on board with that bus. I was like, I always felt it was kind of celebratory and fun, but it was a turning point. And I think that was maybe, you know, the show helped to kind of reclaim that word. 
And I credit the, the show creators and producers for holding fast and saying, no, we're proud of this word. It means something extraordinary and different and unique. And we're going to really embrace that. So I really got on board with that. What's really interesting now, I know the new Queer Eye has, you know, has brought things even further along. And I saw they have a furniture collection with like Walmart. And I was like scrolling through to see what it looked like. Cause I'm, you know, I'm basically Gladys Kravitz. Like at home <laughs> at night, I'm in my bed. I'm snooping on everybody's cages. I'm like, Ooh, who's doing this? Oh, what was my ex up to? Oh, what's happening here? And, you and me um, both, Carson. Yeah, yeah. You and me both. Yeah. I mean, I have so much pandemic time on my hands. And I saw in the, on the Walmart, like listing of like their furniture, it said queer eye furniture. And I was just like, wow, they have the word queer like on the Walmart website and like in the store, does it say like queer eye furniture? I don't know. But I thought, again, that's another way that inclusion just keeps reverberating out into the universe. Like people in Walmart are like, well, we got to get some of that queer furniture. <laughs> oh my God, I'm dead. <laughs> well, and you, you are no stranger, I'm sure, to a press junket, right? You've been a part of these huge yes. shows. And obviously when Queer Eye was just starting out. I'm sure you did the whole gamut. And Darren, I love that question that you ask about, you know, the name, because, you know, when you did press for the show originally, right. how were you received by the press? Did you get some kind of off color questions from, you know, yeah. some of yes. people interviewing you? And yeah, what was that like? There's a couple uh, instances that come to mind. The very first thing we ever did was called TCA, which is the Television Critics Association. Oh, yeah. Right. And I think the show was already made and it was sometime in June or something. And then the show was coming out in July, but there was a lot of buzz. I don't know, Bravo generated all the buzz. I don't know how this happened, but there was a lot of buzz even before the show came out. So we go to TCA. I think it was our first time all going to LA. It was at the Beverly Hilton, which seems very glamorous, you know, when yeah. you're fresh off the, off the bus from, well, New York, but, and, um, <laughs> We, we had, um, you know, media training and everything. We got in there and you're on a panel, you know, and everybody's asking you questions like a press conference. And they said, one reporter was like a little edgy and said like, let me get this straight. Like you're going in and telling like straight guys how like terrible they are and kind of name calling and saying they're not good enough. And they said, you know, do you know what that feels like? I said, yeah, it's called high school. Um, I've been through it yes, and like the yes. room erupted and like I had shut him down like a bad Ferris wheel and uh, that like moment I was just like we got this and then it was mostly all positive and then certainly when people saw the show and I think saw that it had only good intentions and a big heart I think that negativity evaporated there was also you know and this is in 2003 so it's you know 17 years ago there were some stations, I think the station like in Tulsa wouldn't air, like the O&O and like, because we were on NBC for a couple nights as well, like in the summer. I don't know where they got that idea, but we were like on primetime for like two or three weeks in a row to get people to discover Bravo because Bravo was rebranded. Yep, right. And uh, so there was like a, sh a station in Tulsa was like, we are not showing the queer eyes. We are going to show old episodes of Coach. And then I think they did that for, I think they did that for like two weeks and they're like, okay, give us the gays. We'll, we'll take them. Cause coach of all shows, I nobody mean, wants a rerun of coach. No, no nobody. 
Although I do think Craig T. Nelson is really hot and he was especially hot in Poltergeist. Fair enough. Mm-hmm. Yeah, fair. Even even a bisexual and a lesbian oh, can admit that. Okay, thank you. Yeah. Well, we have great oh taste. Oh my God, what a classic. You know, how you're taking it all and sort of this clap back of like, that's high school and like, imagine how it's being, you know, a gay person who's, right. who's you know, been bullied for a lot of it. Did your other fab four, I guess, uh, agree with you on this? Or was there any hesitation from them about being like, we don't want to be too gay. We want to be, you know, available to the masses. Was there any discussion like that? No, there wasn't. I I think because this was a time to like, now there are so many mirrors that we can look into and see reflections of what we're doing. And it's like, you can look at social media. Oh, what are the comments saying? There's so much feedback. Back then, A, we didn't know anything about television. We didn't know what we were doing. We were just doing our jobs, which was either styling people or doing their hair and, or grooming or decorating their homes. So we were just rolling and doing our things and just being really who we were. And I think we all loved being campy and loud and fun and sassy, but it wasn't a put on kind of campy, loud, fun and sassy. It was just who we were and how we rolled together. So I think none of us really gave it a second thought. We were just being our authentic selves. I love that. I do too. Well, and you've gone on to do so many incredible things since Queer Eye. And in particular, you know, we love you and know you from RuPaul's Drag Race and your amazing one-liner. The one-liners, I will say, on RuPaul's Drag Race are the best. Thank you. Um, And then you've also done a lot of pageantry, which I think is really Mm -hmm. interesting. I can't help but think that there might be a correlation with you growing up with horses and showing horses to perhaps your love. Not that I'm saying that people that are in pageants are horses, but I, I feel like there's that same kind of vibe there. Is that true? Is that kind of what got you into pageantry, so to speak, commentary, being an expert? Yeah, I mean, I just, I think, um, I think a lot of the things I like are like shiny and glitzy and sparkly (laughs) and fun. And um, certainly like showing horses, people are like, oh, isn't that muddy? And like, no, like my horses are like supermodels and they have like painted nails and like their hair is like fluffy and gorgeous and they wear extensions. They paint their nails? Yeah, they get polish on their hooves so they're shiny. So like, there's a lot of showbiz in that world. Yes, um, right. Okay. And you dress up and it's about presentation. And the same goes for Drag Race. Like you dress up and it's about presentation. And the same goes for Miss Universe. It's like you dress up and you try to bring your most like flawless self. It's about presentation. So I guess I like presentational things. Okay. And just to finish up on my pageantry questions here, it's interesting because... Now we've seen the first bisexual out. I believe it is. I have Miss my notes. Myanmar, Miss Utah. No, no. Miss Utah, oh, yeah, Miss Utah is, is the first U.S. Yeah. history, Miss U.S. in history to be bisexual. And that was just this year. And then last year for Miss Universe, there was an out lesbian, Miss Myanmar, which Myanmar is like not exactly in my, what I know of it, the most progressive place in the right. world. Right. So one, did you speak to it? I guess, are you allowed to speak to the contestants? Maybe not. But like, what do you think about that? I mean, do you think that there has always been kind of hush hushed 
LGBTQ plus contestants, or maybe now they're feeling this more seeing you as a panelist and, and as a commentator and host, like, do you think that there's becoming more inclusion in pageantry that there wasn't before? Yeah, I, I think that world has definitely changed and changing and becoming more real as to and representative of what's going on in the world. And there are all different kinds of people and um, they're now being included in pageants. So it's an old fashioned kind of idea, I guess, a beauty pageant. So perhaps it's, you know, has old fashioned kind of limitations on it. But I think that now it's just people are, are more comfortable and able to be who they are. I'm sure there's always been uh, LGBT people involved. Um, right. and, just not and, out. But just not out. And I, and I hope that the um, system and the organizers and the judges and everybody make it clear that everyone's welcome. Yeah. I, well, I mean, I'm assuming that they do because they're all coming out, you know, yeah. in the last few years, which is amazing. Yes. I do a lot of like Miss Universe, et cetera. I was like, why am I not doing Mr. Universe? And I was like, does That's that- That's what I'm thinking. Does that exist? And then they're like, yeah, they're huge, like in Latin America. I was like, oh my God, I love Latin America. So- um, You're a Brazilian supermodel. <laughs> right, exactly. Yeah, I know. It's it's always been inside me. You know, I'm curious because- Carson, you came out, like you said, in a time where, for lack of a better term, it was uncouth to come right. out. I mean, not, right. not as many people were out. Obviously, there were just as many gay people, but it was almost dangerous and right. it was scary and it was uh, maybe not as safe as maybe as it is now. But now, fast forward 25 years later, 30 years later, do you feel this like weight on your shoulders of having to be this gay icon i mean do you feel like you're carrying the 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 gay imagery on your shoulders here or no like are people like you need to do this you need to speak up where there's gay rights there's miss universe you're commenting on women like right right what are the expectations of people of you given your role in this you know what i guess everybody has different expectations of people that are in the public eye and i never really worry too much about it like I just do my thing and I try to listen to my heart and do what I know is right. And I'm sure there's always opportunities where you're like, you should be speaking about this and you should be doing that and you should use your platform. I just try to be a good person and do my job and do great work. And also, you know, I try to work a lot with LGBTQ youth and those types of organizations because I remember how hard it was being a gay kid and feeling for me, it was fear of just like, God, what's wrong with me? Why am I, you know, so different? And, you know, how can I like cover that up? So I know that feeling. So I am always trying to, whether it's Trevor Project or True Colors or Pride Parades or um, GSAs, just trying to assure kids that like, there's a whole world out there for you. And there's a whole community that will love and support you. Because as out there as we are, there's still sometimes, you know, you know, kids living in remote places that don't feel supported or don't feel like there's anyone like them, which is why I think, you know, drag race has been so popular and people are like, oh, well, is it about drag? I'm like, no, it's about celebrating creative people who are maybe not ever seen on television in some little corner of the world. Somebody could see that and be like, well, oh my gosh, well, if they can do that, then I can, I can be me. Right. So that's kind of how I roll. I just try to work on good projects with good people and good messages and um, just do the right thing. But I don't think about it too much because it's like a full-time job worrying like if you're doing enough. 
when it's other people's expectations, if that makes sense. I mean, and you are, you're not old, you're not young. You are, you have been in the industry for long enough to know and have experience in it. Right. And so in your short and or long tenure, are you surprised that it's taken this long for the queer community to be as accepted as it is? Did you think it was going to happen a lot sooner? Or are you surprised that it happened as quickly as it did, considering how long things take in society? I mean, I wish things would move faster and we still have a long way to go. Right, um, right. We cannot, we can't rest on our laurels, but I'm delighted to work in television and in a medium that has been I think one of the most progressive of any mediums in showing people on reality TV, Pedro Zamora living and dying with HIV and AIDS, trans people, the stories of Pose, uh, RuPaul's Drag Race. There's so many, there's so much great LGBT content now and visibility, like I uh, noted before, it's just so important because it demystifies uh, people. And it's just like, gosh, they're not, weird or scary or dangerous or whatever. They're more like us than they are not like us. And I think just seeing people being themselves and being represented on television has been so helpful. I agree. Why weren't there any lesbians in Queer Eye for the Straight Guy? Oh, Darren, you took my question. Wait, Sorry, Liz. It's okay, twin brains. I I feel like they did, um, they did a Queer Eye for the Straight Girl. And I feel like their like leader was... A woman, lesbian, I believe. Well, Carson, if you want to EP a project, I, I know <laughs> yeah. I know two really uh, cute and funny lesbians, and they um, have a gaggle of friends that we could put together for you. Why <laughs> is there not? Lesbians aren't known for their sense of style, Carson. We're not necessarily fashion icons here. But there have been many chic and stylish lesbians, okay? Yeah, no kidding. Jenna Lyons, you even brought up J. Crew at the beginning of this, Jenna Lyons change everything. She has a new show on Netflix. Have you interviewed her? Well, it's so funny that you said that because we are in the process of booking oh, her for the show. You must. It looks really interesting. I'm going to watch it. It's really fun. I watched the first episode and it's kind of like competition meets reality meets new business. It's very different. It's very different. It's good. Well, I saw the trailer and I was just like, we're totally going on a tangent, but this is like a pop culture show and she's a, she's a lesbian. Yeah. So we can talk about it. I thought when I saw the trailer, I was like, Oh, it's like um, a competition reality show, like project runway where she's like finding like somebody to be the creative director for her new, uh, I guess, curation company. And then it was just like, oh, I'm building a family. I was like, oh, it's like a reality show about like her world. And then it was like, there was like another thing where they were doing makeovers and then they were doing interiors. And I was like, what is this show? I know, it's a lot. It's a lot. That's kind of how I felt about it, but it's amazing. But no, there are lots of stylish lesbians that we have lots of different things that we could bring to the table. I am not really a vision board kind of gal, even though (laughs) I know a lot of people are really into them. And Darren will tell you, I do try to envision things for us and for myself and for others. But I'm just going to, and I also think the fucks have gone out the window after this year. And I'm just going to go out there and say what I want. And I'm just putting it out there to anybody listening. Lesbian queer eye for the straight guy. Carson's going to be the EP. Just throwing it in the wind. 
Let's talk to the, um, seriously, we can talk to the producers. Um, I'm, I'm working on something with them right now. So, um, because you guys Amazing. are so delightful and fun <laughs> and smart and I love you. So and fashionable and fashionable. Darren has a pink suit. And fashionable. So she's good. That's right. And, and a fuchsia sweater. Carson, I'm curious. I'm sure you get a, do you get a lot of like DMS of like guys sliding into your DMS and like dick pics and shit? I sometimes do. And if you guys are watching, please send more. Yeah. Um, um, no, um, I get a lot of messages. I'm very popular in South America, like in because Ecuador. Because you are a Brazilian model, Carson. It's checking out. It's clocking out. Know your brand. Yeah. A lot of, you know, people in Bolivia. And uh, I don't really engage because I don't really want a stalker. And I'm just like, yeah, it just seems creepy. So I... I usually just like, oh, and then I delete. You Is delete? there part of you? Yeah, you delete or you keep, you just don't open. Maybe, maybe occasionally. <laughs> I might save uh -huh. the special ones. Uh-huh. You have a mm. special spank bank folder, I'm a, sure a you file. do. Yeah. Darren. Yes, right, exactly. Sorry. What is just Darren's yeah, got no, a spank bank folder? It happens. It, it happens. What do you think if social media was around when you were on Queer Eye, what do you think that would have been like? Are you happy that it wasn't so that way the show could speak for itself and you wouldn't have to worry about a million comments right, of people right. coming into the gay thing? Like, are you are, are you kind of happy you weren't part of it or would you have preferred that? I think I'm 50-50 and I'll tell you why. I think that nowadays we're such a cancel culture and everybody feels like mm -hmm. they have such a strong opinion on social media and so much power that, I feel like a lot of people would have come for us and been like, this is wrong. This is like, you know, without even knowing what the intent was. So that would be like, it would be very distracting. So I'm kind of glad that wasn't around. Like you said, the show just was the show right. and the show spoke for itself and was beloved. And then on the flip side, I kind of wish there was social media and I'll tell you why. I feel like Instagram is a great kind of like digital diary. And you can be like, oh, what did I wear last Christmas? Oh, let me see. Oh, it was the fuchsia from Jenna Lyons. Okay. <laughs> um, and there are so many times when people like, and it was a wild ride, as you could imagine. It was a very, very popular show for, you know, a year or two or three. And we didn't know what we were doing. And we had just like launched into this. Um, so there are so many times people say, remember that time uh, we were like on a plane and we were going with Oprah to like visit uh, the White House and you had just come back from that thing with Dolly Parton. I'm like, no, I don't remember any of that. Not because they're not legendary, but there was so much going on and there was no way to capture it. Like there were no like, we didn't even have flip phones. I had a trio with a stylus, oh God, you know, like a pen it. that you had to type with. Yes, and then when you lost the pen, it was a whole nightmare. Oh, then you had to use like a toothpick, but it would break and I was just <laughs> like, I can't. And then Jay Rodriguez had like a sidekick that was bedazzled, like that he got from like Paris Hilton. So there were so Stop. many kooky moments and memories back then that we just are lost to the gods of time because we just didn't record them in any way. Smart. That's yeah. smart. I, yeah. That's fair. Before we get to a little game, which is a rapid fire thing, I tend to ask this of every one of our guests, and especially from you, I think our listeners could really use this advice, but if you could go back and tell your younger self, uh, whether it's that very gay first grader or someone in college or someone who's about to be on fucking national television, what would you say to yourself? Oh, gosh, that's such a RuPaul's Drag Race All-Stars question. <laughs> 
I would probably just tell myself to exhale because I was such a nervous kid. And, you know, I didn't have a great, like, junior high. Like, I was always, you know, like, afraid. And I think I would tell myself to let go of the fear that it's going to be okay. And it certainly was. And I certainly did. Um, But that was something that I think, you know, I needed to hear and a lot of kids need to hear. Was your anxiety wrapped up in the fact that you knew you were gay and not out? Or was it something different, like you're a high achiever or you're just a nervous kid? I think it was mostly because of being perceived as different. And even if you don't even know why it is, but like not getting picked in gym class and not having like guy friends and not doing like boy things, that was always like a weird disconnect for me. And I was just like, oh, there's something wrong with me. So I think, you know, you have to say, no, you're perfect just the way you are. One more question before we get to the game, because I just brought it up. Any of the kids that like treated you poorly in middle school or high school, did they reach out to you when you were famous and being like, I love you and you're amazing? Like, did you have any of those like clapback moments? I, I think I did. And most, mostly like, you know, most of all of my like friends and stuff were delighted and I got to see them. But occasionally there would be like one or two people. I was like, wait a minute. Mm-hmm. You did not even talk to me in high school. Um, right. Who are you? Uh, but, you know, I, I took the high road and I was like, oh, great to see you. Sorry about your hair. <laughs> I, I love that you asked that, Darren. Darren knows that I just love to curse with their government name all the kids that were mean to me in middle school yeah. and junior right. high because they very quickly forget about their behavior. It is so interesting. And unfortunately, we didn't have Thanksgiving to go back to our well, for me, at least, to go back right. to our respective towns where I love running into them. And they're like, oh, you look, you know, th- especially when, you know, I came out later in life. So when I married my wife and, you know, I kind of get the, oh, you have a wife, you know, right. <laughs> it's like, yes. And I'm really happy that you are happy and alone. Just kidding. No, I mean, bless <laughs> yeah. their hearts. Yeah, that was, that's always a great, like, Wednesday night before Thanksgiving, go to the oh, local, yeah. like, pub place where, yes. like, you never, ever go and you never, <laughs> ever see anybody except that night. It's, so I get uh, it. it's exactly. the classic night. For me, it's Sam's yeah. and Tiburon. And I used to work there in college, so I always go in there and everyone's wasted and it's it's a crack up. As but anyway... Be. I know, Darren, you want to get to our little little game. Yeah, we play a game, Carson, called Scissor Me This, and it's essentially just a quick rapid-fire question of just queer nonsense, exactly, of scissoring shit that we want to throw at you. (laughs) Liz has some really fucking hysterical ones, so Liz, I want you to tee it up with the first one. This one's a great one. I love this one. Okay. And we have to think about pre-pandemic and post-pandemic times, okay? Yes, yes, yes. What movie, if you had to pick one to watch on the plane over and over again, it's the only movie that's going to work on the plane. And let's make that plane ride from New York to LA, because I know the three of us on this uh, Zoom meeting, we do that one a lot. Which one would you pick? You have to pick one of these three. Flicka, Seabiscuit, or the horse whisperer. Oh, oh gosh! I think I would want the horse whisperer with Robert Redford. Is yeah. so romantic and he's so hot. So I think that would be some good eye candy. I'll do that one. Okay. What is one fashion trend you hope never sees the light of day again? Oh gosh! I mean, there are so many. I mean, like high waisted jeans. I just never got into. 
I live in. Wait, whoa, whoa, whoa. I mean, well, okay. Liz, need, Liz needs Can to I? throw out half her closet now. Hold on. Hold no, on. The only no, thing, though. Put on cute young girls like yourselves. But, but yeah. Oh, God. No, it's okay. It's okay. But also, <laughs> you two are very thin. I'm going to say one thing, Carson, and I typically would never interrupt uh-huh, a guest. Please. But when you, Darren, you are a skinny person. And so are yes. you, Carson. And high-waisted jeans for us ladies who are curvy, it's a godsend. And I never want to see another pair of low-rise jeans again for the rest of my life. So anyway, I <laughs> okay. hope... I'm going to agree with you on that one. And I've okay, done fine. many makeovers and I've used the high-waisted. Maybe I'm thinking of like the super high-waisted acid wash, like okay, very fine. 80s. Fair, fair, fair. Yes, very 80s with the cuffed. Yeah. Um, I don't like that either. Also, okay. the, yes. the whole 80s thing, it's like, a lot of the stuff in the 80s, like we have this like very fond memory of the 80s for some reason, but a lot of the stuff was terrible. It's um, still so terrible. Let's, let's just stop bringing back like 80s fashion over and over again and saying it's really cool. Okay. Yeah, like we're done with leg warmers, people. It's done. I'm done with the leg warmer. Yeah. Okay. I yes. typically try to challenge myself to come up with a good fuck, Mary kill. So mm. this is my fuck, Mary kill for you. Rue, Miss Michelle, Visage, or Ross. Oh my gosh. Gosh, that's a really good one. Thanks. Um, let's see. Oh, this is really hard. God, I, I haven't thought about fucking marrying or killing any <laughs> of the three of them. <laughs> Now's the time, Carson. It's pandemic time. You got the time here. I know. I know. Gosh. Couldn't I just... Um, no. Nope. Couldn't I just you gotta not? Do okay. It. Let's nope, see. No amending. No amending. Um, I'm just going to just like, just shuffle it. Yeah, just do it. I could marry Michelle because I would love picking out like the wedding dresses and all yeah. of that stuff for her. It'd be very beautiful. And then I would, oh gosh, it sounds so bad even just saying it. There's two guys and I do like enjoy having sex with men. So I could <laughs> fuck either one of them. Uh, I'm just going to go randomly and uh, do a magic eight ball. Oh, okay. Rue. And then, um, then I have to kill Ross, but I love Ross, but I would. You're killing Ross. That was the best outcome scenario. I tried to do it on my own, but that was but a I good one. Ross. But I do, I do love your intellectual struggle with this. Like if Ross is listening, he knows that you had a tough time with it. You know? Yeah, yeah no, I don't want to <laughs> kill him at all. But right. you cannot kill Rue. So yeah, you, you can't kill Rue. That Rue's was legendary. No, no. I had to okay, do what I had Carson. to do. That was like Would an you, episode of Big Brother. My goodness, I that know. was so sorry difficult. To, sorry to put you through Would you it. rather wear the wrong clothes to every single formal event that you have for the rest of your life mm-hmm. or only be allowed to wear one outfit for the rest of your life? I think oh, wearing one outfit for the rest of my life would be absolute torture. So I would wear the wrong thing to like all these formal things, but I would make it right. Like... They'd be like, why are you wearing a, a, a Snuggie to the Met Gala? And I'm like, everyone's doing it now. And I would just own it <laughs> and they would want to wear it. You could. I mean, honestly, if you wore a Snuggie to the Met Gala, everyone would fucking own a Snuggie the next day. So truth be told, that's probably fair. Yes. Okay. And then last but not least for me, speaking of fashion, and I like, that was a good question, Darren. I liked that one. That was. Thank you. I noticed on your Instagram, I tried to count myself and I lost count. About how many blazers do you think that you own that are different? Because oh, you got blazers? yeah, like beautiful. I mean, the tuxedo or really tuxedo coats, I guess you could or jackets, you could say. 
Oh, well, I have I have a closet full of formal jackets that I have for special See, occasions. Whoops. Maybe that maybe so, I asked the wrong question here. Of course. So like like dinner jackets. Dinner jackets. Yeah, ja- I probably right. have like a hundred and then like I have a lot of sport coats. You know, like <laughs> wait, I wait, have wait, wait. What's I, the difference knew- between a dinner jacket and a sport coat? A dinner jacket is like a sparkly, like, you know, yeah. Tom Ford, like wear with tuxedo pants to a formal occasion, but it's not a tuxedo. Yes, got it. A sport coat is like, you know, like a Ralph Lauren one with embroidered ducks on it. Like that's a sport coat. I love the specificity. Okay, so we've got 100 dinner jackets. How many sports coats? 200? Yeah, maybe. Yeah, that's what I was thinking. That's where I was getting my number up to. I have a closet here at my farm with like the the natty kind of like, literally like ones with ducks on them. Love and it. then in the city, I have the sparkly ones. But then I have a storage unit in my basement in the city, which I need to get rid of, that also has like overflow sport coats in a vault. Oh, yeah, I know. It's ridiculous. Give me half of them, Carson. If you're not going to wear them, I'll take them. Like as long as they're fuchsia pink, I will take them off. Of I have a couple. I have some, I have a really beautiful powder pink cashmere <gasps> one from Ralph Lauren. Ooh, pretty. You'd well, have we're to gonna- belt it though, because I'm so... Yeah, I'm so burly. No, oh, no. I know. Burly. That's just what I was. I'm going to see you at Bear Week in Puerto Vallarta next week. I was the only yeah. the only woman there last year, let me tell you. Yeah, well, Darren's going to need a pink coat for our press junket, let me tell you. Let's yeah, go to seriously. Bear, I know, for our show. And then we'll go to Bear Week, and I'm going to bring a pot of honey. Yeah. Mmm. Yummy. Of course. Get everyone all yeah. sticky. Carson, listen, <laughs> I think we've given you a lot to think about. Listen, you're fucking RuPaul. You're killing Ross. You have a lot of things to think about, but we have a lot of things to think about. We love you so much, and we really appreciate you taking the time to be on the show. You're you're a legend, and uh, everyone needs to know that if they don't already. I adore you both. This was a delight. Thank you so much. No, thank Th- you. I mean, I don't even know how to wrap it up. I'm just so, we are so thankful to have you. Uh, everyone listening, you have to follow Carson on all of the internets. It's just Carson Kressley, right? On everything? Yeah, just that. Just me and a bunch of horses and some blazers. <laughs> Who doesn't With- like that? He's painting the horse's hooves. He's got the whole thing down, people. I mean, he yeah. knows what the yeah. fuck to do. It's perfect. And you can follow us and like and share and comment and rate SIAT podcast on IG and Twitter. And then scissoring isn't a thing on all streaming platforms. Thank you, Thank Carson. Thank you, Carson. We love Thanks. you. Thank you, guys. Love you back. Bye, Bye, baby. Bye. Thank you for listening to Scissoring Isn't a Thing. See you next Tuesday.